Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Timothy's first letter, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So during the spring and summer, we are going to be doing a sermon series called Sans Pareil, Without Equal. When someone or something is said to be sans pareil, what that means is that they are literally the best in the world. They're a class above all the rest. And during this series, each week, we're gonna be looking at two people who are the best in their field. We're not only gonna examine how they became successful, but we're gonna examine the qualities and characteristics that allowed them to rise to the top. And then we're gonna take those qualities and characteristics and we're gonna look at them through a biblical lens. We're gonna ask how we can use those qualities and characteristics to further our walk with God and to help build God's kingdom here on earth. This is an important series during this time because what it does for us is that it allows us to try to rise above. We can use those qualities and characteristics during this challenging time to be the kinds of Christians that God expects us to be. Now last week we began our series by talking about two of the best chefs in the world. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, I would highly recommend going back, checking it out, because it's a really good foundation for what we're going to be talking about in our sermons going forward. But today we're going to be moving on to two people, two of the greatest inventors of all time, Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla. Let's begin with Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was born in 1847. He was the seventh of seven children in his family. And when it came time for him to go to school, his mother decided 
that rather than send him to school, that she was going to homeschool him. He only lasted a few months in school, and then he came home. Now, she used a lot of different resources to teach him, but the resource that became the most important to him was one that came from the Cooper Union for the Advancement of Science and Art. Now, this study was the study of chemistry, and this would lay the foundation for many of his future experiments. As Edison became older, he became more entrepreneurial. He wanted to earn money. And so he started selling vegetables, candy, and newspapers on the platforms of the trains that would go from Port Huron to Detroit. And while he was there, he was so good at doing this that by the time he was 13, he was earning around $50 a week in profit. Now, if you adjust for inflation, that's about $1,500 a week that he was earning. And most of that money was going towards experiments with electricity and chemicals. So he was doing this from a very young age, really trying to invent, trying to learn about all of these things. But the moment that would truly transform Edison's life was a moment when a young boy named Jimmy McKenzie, he was on the tracks, his father was working for that particular train station, but he was, un, he was unattended on the tracks, and there was a runaway train coming towards him. Now, Edison happened to be in the right place at the right time. He came down onto the tracks, he swooped up Jimmy and saved him from being killed. Now, Jimmy's father was so happy and so thankful to Edison that he ended up teaching Edison his own trade, which is how to be a telegraph operator. Now, this would become very, very important for Edison because through his time as a telegraph operator, he learned how the telegraph system worked. And as he started to go through some of his early inventions, his first real saleable invention was a quadruplex telegraph system. This was a system that was able to send two messages at the exact same time. Now, Edison was hoping that this particular system would be able to sell for about four to $5,000, and he had many investors lined up to take a look at his telegraph system. But what happened is, at the last moment, Western Union came in and they made a bid for $10,000. This is about $241,000 when you adjust for inflation. Now, this allowed him to fully fund his lab in Menlo Park, New Jersey. And his lab was the first of its kind. It was a lab where he could test various types of materials, and he was able to take ideas for technological innovation and try to bring them to life. Now, <clears throat> throughout his lifetime, what you will find is that Edison has about 1,093 patents associated with his name and a number of inventions that you may know today. So he's responsible for inventing the phonograph, the rechargeable battery, the motion picture camera, and of course, what he's best known for is the light bulb. In 1878, Edison had an idea that he wanted to create an electrical system of illumination that could compete with oil and gas lighting. And so he worked on the creation of the light bulb. The issue with the light bulb was that he had to create a filament that could light when electricity was applied to it. So he had to work on a lot of different ways of creating that filament. Now the carbonized filament that he originally came up with that allowed the light bulb to work lasted 13 and a half hours before it burned out. 
Edison's associates then began with his primary prototype and they were able to, with various types of materials, expand the life of that filament. But what really allowed him to create the light bulb that we know today is when he created a carbonized bamboo filament. And he got this idea because he was out one day on a lake and he was fishing and he had a bamboo pole. And he started looking at that pole and he was looking at the fibers on it and he realized that those fibers, if they were carbonized, that they could actually provide a very good filament for the light bulb. Once he applied this idea to the light bulb, his light bulb was able to last for more than 1,200 hours. Now this is a big part of what made Edison so successful. Edison was not a man of pure genius. He was a very smart man, but he was not overly intelligent. What made him so good is that he was willing to come back to his inventions and constantly improve upon them. So he understood that if you create a light bulb that lasts 13 and a half hours, that's not going to be able to work on the open market. If you want to be able to make a light bulb that people are going to buy, it has to last for hundreds of hours at a time. And so this is a big part of how Edison was able to become a man of such success. He always had a sense of what the consumer was needing. He was thinking about the end user all the time, and he combined that with this meticulous dedication to incrementally improving upon his original designs. Now when it comes to the light bulb, he understood that this was going to be a huge invention. But the problem was is that nobody could use it because people didn't have electricity in their homes. And so this was a big problem that he had to overcome. You want to sell light bulbs? People have to have electricity. So in order to demonstrate to them the potential of this new invention, he had to create his own electrical utility. So literally, he created his own power plant down the street from his house. And on September 4th, 1882, he turned this power plant on and it provided 110 volts of direct current electricity to 59 customers on his block. People from all over New York City would come to Edison's house, his block, so that they could see what this was all about. It was very, very big news at that day and time. But there were some problems with his direct current electrical grid. First of all, direct current has some limitations. And the first limitation is that it can only travel about a mile before the power ends up dissipating. This means that it has to kind of go in a short loop. So if you were to have a DC power grid, what that means is in a place like New York City, you would need to have a power plant every couple of blocks. The other issue is that Edison's design of his DC generators was very fragile. It would break very, very easily. And so what that meant was many of his customers were often without electricity. Now all of this changed when a young Serbian man named Nikola Tesla, who was an electrical engineer, who had immigrated to the United States in 1884, he stepped off the boat in New York City, he goes to Manhattan, he's got four cents in his pocket and he knew exactly where he wanted to go. He made his way to Edison's house, he knocked on Edison's door, and he asked him for a job. Now Edison was so impressed with Tesla and his intelligence that he hired him on the spot, and he gave him a task. 
He said, look, my direct current generators, they are breaking down more often than I would like. If you could figure out how to make them more reliable, I would pay you a $50,000 bonus on top of your normal salary. Well, this really got Tesla motivated. Tesla, he starts working on Edison's generators, and not only does he improve upon Edison's original design to make them better, he improves upon them so much that they never break down any longer. So he returns to Edison, and Tesla asks for this bonus. And Edison kind of laughs in Tesla's face, and he says, well, Tesla, you obviously don't understand American humor. I didn't mean that literally. Now, Tesla was very, very upset at this, and he ended up quitting that very moment. Now, this incident is actually something that is very important for us to understand who Edison was as a person. Because Edison could have afforded to pay Tesla some money. He may not have been able to afford 50,000, but he could have paid him five, 10, 15, even $20,000 for what he did. But Edison was a very greedy man. And he wasn't going to give from his coffers when it was his company. From his perspective, it was his invention, it was his design, and even if you improved upon it, it was still his, not yours. And therefore, he wasn't going to give more for what he owned. And in this way, he kind of took advantage, he took for granted Tesla's intelligence and his work ethic. And this would happen to Edison again and again throughout his career. But what this caused Tesla to do was to strike out on his own. Tesla, having worked for a long time on Edison's generators, he believed that Edison was going about the electricity business all wrong. So, as I told you, Edison was using direct current power generators, and Tesla believed that the better way to go would be to use alternating current, or AC power. Now, the difference between direct current and alternating current is direct current has limitation of only being able to go a mile, whereas alternating current, it can go for hundreds of miles at much higher voltages. The only problem was, at that time, nobody knew how to utilize alternating current power. And so in 1887, Tesla produced what was called an induction motor. And this motor could utilize alternating current power. And he had the opportunity to present this motor to the American Institute of Electrical Engineers. And they were super impressed by what Tesla had come up with. This was something that nobody up until that time had been able to do. But the person who was most impressed was a man named George Westinghouse. Now Westinghouse, he had made his fortune in creating air brakes for trains. And he wanted to create an electrical grid that could compete with Edison's direct current power system. But he wanted to do it with alternating current. And when he saw what Tesla's induction motor could do, he decided, yes, absolutely, I need to use this to make my investment viable. So he goes to Tesla and they strike a deal. And the contract they come up with is that immediately Tesla would receive $60,000 in money and stock, and then he would receive, over the lifetime of those motors' use, $2.50 for every AC horsepower unit produced by his motors. Now to give you a sense of just how good a deal this was for Tesla, the money that he would receive once his motors were up and running would make his wealth comparable to that of John D. Rockefeller, who was the oil baron, or Andrew Carnegie, the steel magnate. In fact, 
Before long, his wealth would likely exceed that. He would be worth billions and billions of dollars. He would be worth more than either of those two men combined and become the wealthiest man in the world. All they had to do was convince everyone that AC power was the way forward. And they saw the perfect opportunity to do this with the World's Fair that was going to be held in 1893 here in Chicago. So the World's Fair organizers, they wanted this particular fair to have at the front and center all the inventions that were utilizing electricity. In fact, they had it in their minds that what they wanted to do was that they wanted you to be able to come to the fair at night. And so they envisioned having 100,000 light bulbs all over the fair's premises in order for people to be there in the evening. So they put out a bid for a contract so that different electrical utilities could come in and bid on being able to provide electricity for the World's Fair. Now both Edison and Westinghouse provided a bid, and most people assumed that Edison was gonna be the one who would get this contract because of his fame and reputation. So you can imagine how shocked, and that pun is very much intended, everyone was when all of a sudden Westinghouse got the contract. This was a major upset. So Tesla's AC power motor was now on display for the world to see, and people were absolutely amazed at what they saw. What you have to appreciate is that up until this point in time, people walked around during the daytime and all they had were these oil and gas lamps, maybe a torch at night if you wanted to walk around. So when they came and they saw these 100,000 lights that were illuminating the World's Fair, they had never seen anything like it before in their lives where they could walk through and it was as bright as it was during the daytime. And so Tesla and Westinghouse, they became famous as a result of this World's Fair. Now you can imagine how enraged Edison was at this. And in fact, he spent a large sum of money on a smear campaign against Westinghouse and Tesla. So he produced brochures for the World's Fair talking about the dangers of alternating current power. He even went so far as to have his associates electrocute dogs, horses, and even an elephant in the streets of New York using alternating current power because he wanted to show people that if you use this, it was too dangerous to be utilized by the public. But all of his efforts failed because at the end of the day, what happened was alternating current generators, they were more reliable and much less expensive to maintain. And so there was nothing he can do because the technology was superior to his own. Basically direct current power was superseded by alternating current power. And once Westinghouse had won the war of the currents as it had become known, Westinghouse began producing all of these alternating current power plants around the country. But he ran into a problem because his contract with Tesla would eventually bankrupt Westinghouse. And so he got together with Tesla and he said, look, we're not gonna be able to afford to do this if I have to pay you what was in the original contract. So what does Tesla do? Well, if it was Edison, Edison would have said, you're gonna give me my money. But Tesla, he took the contract and tore it up. And the reason why he did this is that he believed that his invention should be a benefit to people around the world and it shouldn't cause undue financial burden on them. 
So instead of receiving royalties, he ended up selling his patent to Westinghouse for $214,000, which today is about six and a half million in our currency. So he got a good amount of money for his patent. And this enabled him to create all kinds of new types of inventions. So perhaps the first invention that he worked on, and he had been working on for some time at that point, was the radio. So Guglielmo Marconi is often the one who is credited with creating the radio, but really this should go to Tesla. So Tesla created everything that we associate with the radio today. He created antennas and receivers, and in fact, he was the first person to send a radio transmission from his lab on Houston Street in New York to a boat on the Hudson River 25 miles away. But what happened was there was a dispute at the patent office between Tesla and Marconi. And when Edison found out about this dispute, he knew people at the patent office because of course he had, as I told you, 1,093 patents. So he goes to the patent office and he lobbies to have Tesla's patents overturned in favor of Marconi's. Now again, this would have made Tesla a wealthy man if he had received royalties on every radio that was made around the world. But unfortunately, he did not because Edison was so mad at him that Tesla had beat him out in the electricity market. But that didn't stop Tesla. He kept on creating. He created the very first remote control. And this is really amazing. His first remote control actually was able to steer a battery-powered boat, which is kind of amazing for the late 1800s, early 1900s. And what he realized once he was able to do this is that radio waves could transmit so much information. And he envisioned how radio waves could not only could control something like a battery-powered boat, but it could send text messages, it could send images, still photographic images, and even video in the way that we think of it today. It was very far ahead of his time because he understood that radio waves could do all of this if you just had a computer that could interpret it. So he didn't stop there though. He also was a person who was responsible for some of our early medical technology. So in his lab, he accidentally had some x-rays damage some photographic plates. And that's when he realized what x-rays could do, that you could see through things. And he was one of the first people to create images of our bones with x-ray images. He also was one of the first people to create lasers, which of course today we associate with CDs and DVDs. And the reason why we associate this is because of our music and our movies, but we use lasers for so much today. We use them for robotics, which is another place where he made major contributions. And we use those two things together, lasers and robotics, to do surgeries that require more precision than is possible by the human hand. Now, unfortunately, what happened was Tesla ended up dying penniless and alone with many of his inventions being deemed useless. And the problem is, is that many of his inventions were so far ahead of their time. I mean, they were decades and sometimes almost a century ahead of where they would be that people didn't understand what he was trying to do. But when we looked back, a lot of people began looking at his inventions again after he died 
they realized that a lot of what he was creating was prototypes of technology that we use today. In fact, I would say that there is very little technology that we utilize right now that was not influenced by Tesla's original research. And so in this way, when you're looking at these two men, it is clear that Tesla is the greater of the two inventors. And yet, it is Edison who is more revered. And the reason for this is because there were two different things that made these men tick. So Tesla, he was a man who invented because he very much believed in the idea that he wanted his inventions to change the world for the better. Whereas Edison, he was motivated to invent because he wanted wealth and fame. And really, the difference between these two men can be seen in the two scriptures that we read today. So we read from the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, what we find is that the early church is starting to come together. They're forming a community. And within this community, what they're asking anybody to do who's part of the Christian church is to sell off their property, to sell off what they own, and to put it in a giant pool of money. And this way, anybody who has need, they can go to that pool, they can draw from it and use it for their purposes. And they were doing this because this was a reflection of Jesus' teachings on God's kingdom. Now, you've heard me talk about this many, many times before, but when Jesus talks about God's kingdom, what he's talking about is how everybody, every human being, has enough food to eat, a roof over their head, and clothes on their back. And the way we end up creating that type of society is that each of us as Christians, we're responsible for looking to our neighbor and asking the question, are you in need? And if they are, we give of what we have so that they can survive, so that they have the things they need to get by. And this is a reason why Jesus has very harsh words often for the wealthy because he's putting a very serious burden on their shoulders saying, you all have all these resources, share of them for the benefit of those who don't have as much. And so in this way, the early church was really trying their best to be able to take Jesus's teachings and put them into practice because they wanted everybody associated with their community to have food, shelter, and clothing. The only thing that really stands in the way of Jesus' vision of this type of society is human greed. And we read about human greed today in our letter from 1 Timothy. This is what it says. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, when I look at that scripture passage, I can tell you that I immediately think of Thomas Edison. Now, Edison, for all of his contributions to our world, he was a man who would do anything to be successful. It didn't matter who he had to hurt. It didn't matter who he had to defraud. He was not going to let anyone stand in his way. And because he was greedy, he ended up becoming a very bitter and angry man, particularly towards the end of his life. He held grudges forever if he felt that anybody had slighted him or gotten in his way. Whereas when you look at somebody like Nikola Tesla, he's a very different kind of man. 
He was really concerned about the whole. His inventions were there for the benefit of humanity. His primary driver was not to get money, although he was very appreciative of the money he had so that he could do more inventions. That was not really why he did what he did. And in fact, the reason why he ended up being broke at the end of his life is because he had invested his whole fortune into trying to create a system of energy that could deliver electricity wirelessly to all citizens of the world for free. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be able to give electricity to all people for free. This is the kind of man who he was. Now, what do these two men, these two great inventors, have to teach us about our Christian walk? And again, just like with the chefs who we talked about last week, they have a lot to teach us, actually. So I would pose the question to you, which of these two men is more famous, Thomas Edison or Nikola Tesla? And the clear answer to that question is Thomas Edison. No doubt about that. In fact, most Americans don't even know the name of Nikola Tesla, aside from the car company that Elon Musk created in his name. And the reason why Musk created the car company and named it after Tesla is because Tesla was responsible for creating a battery-powered car and because of everything he did with electricity. But the fact is, is that even though Tesla is in many ways the greater creator because of all of the things that he created that we use even to this day. The fact is, is that Edison is more remembered. And the reason why he's more remembered is because we admire in America those who are able to profit off of their ideas rather than those who come up with the ideas themselves. But as Christians, I think we need to reassess our admiration. Because, yes, it is very true that Edison represents the American ideals of industriousness and self-reliance. And those are very good things, important things. But the fact is, is that Tesla, he represents the Christian ideals of God's kingdom. In this way, when we're looking at the difference between these two men, we're looking at the difference between what one man is willing to give selflessly of his gifts, as opposed to using his gifts for his own self-gain. And as Christians, we need to revere the man who's willing to use his gifts selflessly. And this brings me really to the point of our sermon for today, which is that as Christians, Jesus expects us to use the gifts and talents that God has given us for the enrichment of others before we enrich ourselves. And I just want to say this again, because I think this is really important. I really believe that Jesus expects us to use the gifts and talents that God has given us to enrich others before we enrich ourselves. And so when we are given a choice in our lives, which happens all the time, to be either like Thomas Edison or Nikola Tesla, where we can be selfish with our gifts and talents, or we can be giving and selfless with them, we need to choose to be like Tesla. Now, we may not be as genius as he was. We may not be the kind of person who can make great inventions. That's okay. But we can be like him when we give selflessly of our gifts for the benefit of people 
in the world. Because when we do this, we help bring ourselves one step closer to the world that Jesus envisioned. And that world is God's kingdom. And I truly believe that that kingdom is very much within our grasp. We simply have to be like Tesla and put the needs of others before our own needs. As Christians, we are called on to create God's kingdom here on earth. And I believe this is possible, but we have to hold up the qualities and the characteristics of selflessness if we are going to make it happen. So let us, as we go out from here today, make sure that we are the kind of people who are using our gifts to enrich others before we enrich ourselves. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.